Hi, I'm Maria Daniels, and welcome to my podcast called Successfully Chaotic, where we talk about juggling our business lives and our personal lives and everything that goes with it. That means we talk about wellness, parenting, marriage, business tips, and so much more. For season eight, we have been focusing on moms in business and all the crazy chaos that comes with trying to juggle it all sometimes, right? Join me, sometimes a guest, as we share personal experiences and tips that we have found helpful on our own journey. So let's get started. Driving through days and nights, won't stop for traffic lights. So welcome to another episode of Successfully Chaotic, and I'm Maria Daniels, your host, and today I have a special guest, Suzanne Brown. I found her online. I stalked her online. Um, I guess would be a fun way of saying it. And I was really drawn to some of her um, blog posts that she had concerning moms in business, and um, I was sharing with her a little bit before we went live that I was trying to do my own research to write something here locally. And I figured out really quickly that there's not a lot of information out there on, well, first of all, the percentages of mom-owned businesses that struggle and then fail um, because of you know, however many reasons that we face that are added to the normal reasons that businesses may go under. Um, but I reached out to her and I'm super excited to have her here today. She's also an author of two award-winning books on different aspects of work-life balance for working moms. And she also is a TED Talk speaker, which is super exciting. And Suzanne, I'm gonna let you kind of dive in and introduce yourself a little bit more. Well, thank you so much for having me, Maria. I'm really excited to be here and to talk about this and all kinds of other things. Um, related to being a, a, a mom-owned business owner, right? That somebody who has to juggle the the mom life and and trying to build, in my case, two businesses. So, I was in the corporate world for more than a decade. Um, I'd like to think I started really young, but I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after being in the corporate world for a really long time, I um, I had had a side gig. And about a year after becoming a mom, I switched over to being 100% entrepreneur. And so that was, the, you know, that's been the right thing. I have two young boys. I have, um, I guess one isn't really young anymore because he's a preteen. So I've got a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old. And entrepreneurship has really been a way for me to show up and be the mom that I want to be and to continue to excel in my career and to serve clients and to do work that I'm excited about. Now, I will say that that things have changed and I think that you can find more of that fulfillment in the corporate world as well um, or with other, you know, working for someone else. But for me, it has really been the opportunity to embrace being flexible and mom empowerment 
um, which is where you found some of the statistics and some of the information that you talked about. That really came about because when I was still in the corporate world, I transitioned to a part-time role. So literally cut my time in half. And I got so many questions about how did you make that happen? You know, how did you talk to your manager? How did you, how did that whole conversation go? How did you know that you could even do that? And eventually when I went to try to, to push people somewhere, because it was taking up a lot of time, to be honest, I had a lot of working moms come to me and say, you know, how did you do this? And then once I transitioned to being an entrepreneur, the questions didn't stop because not only were there those questions, there were the questions of, okay, so you're running two businesses, but how, or, or at that point, I guess only one business. And eventually I added another business people just kept saying, how did you, how do you make your time work? Yeah. And so when I tried to push people to a resource, I couldn't find one. So being an entrepreneur, I said, I'm just going to create one because really how hard can that be? Um, it's always harder than you think it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and that was how the, the mom empowerment brand was eventually created. And I will say like, I was very much in the thick of motherhood. Literally I had the, um, a brainstorming with some of the women who I interviewed, because I interviewed more than 110 working moms for um, my books. And I brought a few of them together for a brainstorm to try to create the name, right? I, I couldn't just keep referring to my project with a paragraph. And that was on a Friday. And on Monday, our younger son was born. <laughs> so really in the thick of trying to, to juggle motherhood and, um, and, and still be able to grow these two businesses. So the, the, the struggle and the juggle is real. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I know that's a, that's a big question that a lot of business owners have as a whole is time management. And um, especially when you add in, like you mentioned the, the term juggling, I, I feel like I juggle all the time. And I feel like um, I always I'll kind of explain it as playing the balloon game. Did you ever play the balloon game as a kid where you're just trying to keep all the balloons from hitting the ground? No, but that's an excellent way to think about it. Okay. That's the way that I describe it. It's like you have this, you're playing the balloon game and you have X amount of balloons in the air and you're just trying to keep them from hitting the ground. And I get a question all the time because when they find out I have seven children, that's not a, a quote unquote normal amount of children for people to have nowadays. So the first question I always get is, oh my gosh, well, how do you do all the things that you do? And I'm really quick to dive in and say, I'm always almost or sometimes all the way dropping something like there's no way to effectively juggle lots of things then you can do a better job at it but you also have to be very particular about the balloons in my case and my analogy that you're putting in the air and that was one of the things i had to learn because i am very much um that that, that person that chases all the bright shiny things right? i'm like oh that's a fun idea let's do that so i had to get very conscientious about the things i was saying yes to which was so hard. And I think that for a lot of entrepreneurs, we do have all the ideas, right? We're visionaries. So I think that can be a challenge of its own is just to kind of scale it down and say, okay, well, I'm going to work on, you know, one project or two projects at a time. I have a rule of three for me because I know one is not a realistic number for me because I will cheat on it all day long. <laughs> was my kind of magic spot. You know, I think it really does come down to being very intentional with your time right? Because 
you have to know, especially as an entrepreneur, what's going to move the needle, right? Mm -hmm. And so there can be all of these shiny things, but if they ultimately don't move the needle, whatever your needle is, right? It could be sales. It might be that you're launching and you need more awareness. It could be that you need more people in at the top of your funnel. I mean, there, there are lots of, of different things that you could be aiming for. But ultimately, you have to know what moves your needle. And if you're spending all of this time on all of this other stuff because it's cool and new and, oh, well, my competitor is doing it, you're not going to get the results that you want. And so I think that's one of those things that, that honestly, entrepreneurs who are further down the, the road talk enough about because it is so easy to get distracted by the new stuff. And, you know, I think in, in my situation, um, it's also, I don't necessarily, I, I love the analogy of the balloons because the interesting thing is they kind of, they fall slowly, right? And so I think that that plays into my approach to, to the juggle, which is stop thinking about it of like this 50-50 split each day, because that is, I mean, if you, if you hit that, um, it's, it's almost more like it's by accident than it is by intention, right? And mm -hmm. so if you stop thinking about your time as this 50-50 split and, and I'm not going to achieve this and I've done something wrong, you remove that pressure, you're a lot more likely to find this balance and to be able to, to continue to build your business and to have the time for the other things that you care about. You know, it could be a family, it could be um, an organization that you volunteer in, it could be that you have to care for your aging parents. I mean, there are so many things that really could be the other side of it. But that way, if you look at your time as like a week, a month, you know, I describe it as a season. And so that season can be a quarter or it can even be looking at the whole year. But that just removes the pressure of I've done, you know, I'm doing this wrong. I, it's it's supposed to be easier. And it's like, no, 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 it's it, just just take away that that drive of 50 50 every day because it, it's just unrealistic. And you will literally feel like you fail every single day, which is not that's not where you want to be. Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's perfect. I, that's something I think early on in my entrepreneurship journey, I chased that balance. I kept thinking, oh, well, when I get this done or get that done, well, then, then it'll all be, then it will work out and I'll be balanced. And it took me a hot minute to figure out that, you know, there was no 50, 50 balance. Like you just said that that didn't exist. It was, it was a balancing act. Yeah. And that's kind of when I came up with that balloon allergy analogy, because for me, if I am having a problem keeping all of my balloons in the air and multiple ones are hitting the ground, I'm doing too much. And I know I'm going to have to look at what I'm doing and remove some things. And I do that on a regular basis. I'm very conscientious at looking at my time, looking at my calendar and doing that. But that wasn't something I was necessarily good at at the very beginning because I came out of corporate too and very much that hustle and grind mentality. And I took that into my business, which is hilarious because I got out of that because I hated that. But then when I went into my own business, I had that same mindset and that same mentality and I was killing myself. Um, and I think it takes a while, right? It takes a while to kind of get to the point that you figure out that you mentioned needle movers. and I love that term. I use that term all the time because it's so true. There's needle movers in our lives that kind of are taking our lives in the direction we 
wanted to go. And there's needle movers in our business that are bringing us the money, the clients, the whatever, you know, that we are needing. And I think it's important to kind of have that framework in our mind because everything needs to be kind of aligning into that. But that doesn't mean that things don't kind of leak out to one side or the other. It's just yeah. constantly and consistently trying to kind of get it back in line. And for me, that has kind of come out of trial and error. And I think for a lot of people, it does, unless they're able to find somebody they're able to connect with that, you know, they can go, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Trust me, I've been there, done that, you know, and I think that's why it's so important for people to reach out and, you know, kind of connect. I know in your um, questionnaire, you mentioned networking. I think networking is so underplayed. Um, I think most people think of networking, they think of that like round table, let's pass your business cards and stand up and say your 30 minute commercial or 30 second commercial. Um, but, you know, to me, I don't like that type. I really prefer the connection and really getting to know somebody. And I think whenever you're able to do that, you kind of build your own corner of where you can bounce off ideas, bounce off struggles and stuff with other people. And I think that is so important to do no matter what business you're in. You know, the interesting thing about networking is that everyone needs it, right? Like you don't want to go with this alone, especially as an entrepreneur. You do not want to have to create your own path by yourself. And when I did these interviews, actually the number one tip was to network, right? Yeah. Because if you are working so hard to open doors, then you're going to have to, I mean, that's already hard to begin with, but you're not focused on reaping the benefit, right? Like you're not, you're not focused on reaping the reward. You are literally just trying to open the doors. And so networking really allows you that opportunity to, to use these relationships. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, realistically, when you create these, these intentional relationships, it is generally a two-way street, right? And so you talked about creating your corner. And I love that because you want different people in your corner, right? I like to think about mentors as like your own personal board of directors. And those are the people who you can bounce ideas off of, who you can say, you know, I'm thinking of doing this. And they can say, okay, well, when I was at that stage of my business, X, Y, Z happened. And you don't have to exactly mimic what, what it is that they did, but you can get those ideas. Those are going to give you some, some, some new tips, tricks, ideas that you're not going to have to figure out on your own. And so you want mentors. And then the other side of it is it's really helpful to have what are essentially sponsors. And I hear so often entrepreneurs are like, oh, no, no, no. Sponsors are, are for people who are still in, you know, who are employees or, or working in the corporate world so that they can move up the ranks. And it's like, no, no, no. I mean, as an, as an entrepreneur, I want people who are essentially decision makers to share my information, what it is that I do with their friends with their network for them to say, oh, Suzanne, she's exactly who you need. That is a sponsor. I mean, in some ways that could be an ally, but that is a sponsor, somebody who actively um, talks about you when you're not in the room and takes action on your behalf, right? And so they open doors and that could be for clients. It could be for um, building your team. It could be for funding. So there are lots of reasons to also have sponsors as part of this network, not simply, um, you know, the, 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 the common thing, like the people who you look at when you look at your LinkedIn 
profile and say, oh yeah, I know all of these people and I worked with this person or this person is really good at this. You know, you, you want there to be, you want to look at it in a more intentional way so that you really do have the right people in your corner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know, let's kind of coming back to um, what I got onto your website for, I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. You had mentioned a couple of statistics there, which I do not remember them. But I do remember that one in three women owned businesses were owned by a mom. Um, I think that, you know, there are so many benefits to being a mom and being a business owner, because a lot of it kind of coincides, right? A lot of the things that you have to learn how to do just to raise humans, (laughs) the same things you have to get good at to be able to nurture a business. And I really think that there are um, a lot of women out there who they are struggling. I've I've talked with a few of them, I'm trying not to mention exact things, because I've talked to some of them here lately with uh, doing some research for what I'm writing right now, but they they feel like giving up, right? And I've been there so many times. Uh, I've told the stories on multiple episodes of, you know, getting to the point of ready to quit because, you know, you get to the point where you think everything's going smooth, right? Everything's going good and then something happens, right? You got that very important, you know, meeting with that client that's just going to make that year, right? And your kid projectile vomits from the back seat. You know, I mean, it's it, there's always something as a mom that you're, you almost have to sift through the rest of your life to get to the point where you can do what you need to do in your business. And that can be overwhelming. Um, that can be super stressful. We were talking before we went live just about, we had to reschedule this interview because my life turned upside down and it does on a regular basis. I, I've got to the point now where it's happened so many times I'm used to it. I'm just like, okay, whatever. If this is the worst that happens, I guess we're good. But again, I wasn't always like that. There was plenty of days where I like ugly cried to my husband that I was quitting everything because I was just so tired of running full force and tripping and falling on my face because of something out of my control. But I think that's the thing. There's always things out of our control. And one of the things I had to realize about my own journey is I was always able to stand back up. I was always able to assess the situation. I was always able to respond in a way that I needed to, to get moving in the right direction again. And a lot of those same things, again, I've learned because I've had to do it with my children. I've had to do it in the rest of my life. And it's made me a better business owner. But I think a lot of times um, people look at that as a negative, right? You're, you're fine. Dogs are fine. Kids are fine. Dogs are fine. We're good here. But um, no, I think, you know, a lot of times it's looked at as a, as a negative, like, oh my gosh, well, you have to you have to do all that and the business, you know, type of thing, which trust me, I have those days too, where I'm like, I, I think about, I had, I had this conversation with my husband. Sometimes I wish I could just be the one that got up and got ready and left. And then everything was just magically done. And then I came home and it was just magically done. Um, sometimes I wish I could be that person, but I wouldn't be happy being that person. I know, I mean, I know myself, but for moments I do think about it, but I think that there are so many benefits to um, what you learn kind of in your motherhood journey that really benefits your business journey. Um, but what got me looking into some, looking for some of these statistics is I had talked to a bunch of women who are moms and they had given up even trying for their business anymore because it was, it was hard and it is hard. I mean, I've fought, like I said, I fall on my face a lot, but I was trying to find statistics that, that kind of gave me a number that said, okay, well, you know, in, in businesses that fail, especially I live in a very rural area, how many of those were mom owned? You know, if we could find some resources specifically for, you know, moms, for women who are having to juggle a lot, would that 
make a big impact on businesses that are failing, you know, and then have them survive? Would that make a bigger impact on the economy? Because that was another, I can't remember the statistics you used for that, but, you know, how much that puts into the local economy. And I, I very much believe that. Um, could you talk a little bit about what made you write that blog post and some information kind of along along the lines of that? You know, I, um, I, I'm trying to remember if I wrote the original one for Small Business Week or if I wrote it for, um, I think that's what it was. Um, but I thought it was so important to talk about the mom-owned business side. One, because it's really hard to find this information. Yeah. And I should say, it's really hard to find it in a concise way because you can find one statistic over here and one statistic over here, but I wanted it to all be in one place so that if you actually looked at it, you would understand what is like truly what is the impact of, of mom owned businesses out there. And so, as you said, one in three um, women owned businesses is owned by a mother. So the, um, the most recent statistics that I found are that about 43% of small businesses are owned by women. So there's about 14 million businesses, it's 43% are women. So, and when you look at it, you are, you're talking about um, a really, it, it's a, it is a, it's a large amount, but I wish it were, were it, that it was bigger when we're talking about um, how much they generate. So women-owned businesses generate about $1.9 trillion per year, okay? $1.9 trillion. That is, that's a, that's a big number, right? That, that is not a, a small thing for you to think about. And so when you start to look at what, what that really means from a, mo from a mom-owned side, you're talking about more than 4.7 million businesses, I mean, that's, that is a, that's a, that's a lot of businesses. Yeah. And I wanted to write that because I wanted moms who were thinking about starting a business and saying like, should I, well, but I mean, as a mom, can I really serve, like, will I be able to do this? And I wanted moms to read that, that um, post and say, okay, th this is a thing. This is a legitimate thing that I, if there are that many women who can do it, I can do this too. Absolutely. And so it was really to give that boost, that, that inspiration of this is doable. It is manageable. It is not easy. It is not for the faint at heart, but it is doable. And understanding the importance of small businesses, and this is really US-based, right? Of it's 99.9% .9 of businesses. I mean, even if it's only 99% of businesses, that's a, that is a lot of businesses out there that we're talking about. When you talk about the employment, you know, small businesses are, um, have traditionally been about 50% of employees in the United States. That is, that's a lot of employees that, that number has gone down a little bit. Um, during the pandemic. And so it's closer to like 47% now. But I mean, we're still talking almost half. Yeah. Right. I mean, th those are big numbers. The challenge with mom owned businesses is 
oftentimes they don't generate as much money as their male counterparts. Um, and that's partially because of the types of businesses that moms choose to create. Um, and so that is something that I think over time will, um, will change because when you have more women who are willing to start businesses, then it is natural for some of them to start to, um, to, to grow, right? And so women-owned businesses in general, there are often, they're often more retail or services related. And the three categories that I, um, that I saw were um, services, and that's often like nail care or pet care. It, there's a, a whole um, uh, like healthcare or social assistance. So that's like a child, like an in-home child daycare or, um, or someone who can take care of like elderly family members. And then there is the more, what we'll call professional services. And that's like when a lawyer starts, um, his or her own business or, you know, a bookkeeper, a consultant, like, and those tend to generate, um, solid income. But when you have so much that is healthcare and um, and and more of these more retail services, it's going to kind of offset some of the um, potentially six-figure um, consulting businesses that you can create. So um, so I think that that I mean moms can start any business, right? There, there is there is no no question about that. But these are the three areas that women in general kind of seem to gravitate towards. Do you think that that is just based on interest or do you think it's based on availability to work around their children's schedules or do you yeah. think it's a combination? I, I think it is more based on ease, on flexibility, on, um, I mean, and honestly, some of it is on knowing your marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. Like knowing what is possible. If you if you're starting an, an in-home daycare, that is because there is a lack of 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 childcare in your area, and so you think, okay, I can get certifications. I've got the space in my house. I've got the yard. I've got the play area. You know, like whatever. The challenge there is there are only so many kids that you can watch, right? Yeah. Part of the reason why you're probably doing this is so that you can have like summers available or winter break or, you know, whatever. And so all of those things are automatically going to kind of give you a, a specific set of parameters of when you can actually earn income. And so it would be one thing if you had an at-home daycare and you supplemented your income with, here are some things that you can do. Um, you know, here are exercises, here's worksheets that that you can download. And so if you created additional revenue streams, but I mean, honestly, all of those things take time and energy, right? You either have to, and or they take money. So you either have to hire somebody out who can create those for you, or you have to take the time to do them. And so I think so often you 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 focus on like, this is what I can do. And then, and you don't think about additional revenue streams or, or, how can I create another business that can give me even more opportunities, right? You, I mean, it's hard if you're juggling motherhood and starting a business and then growing a business. 
I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I am a big fan of multiple streams of income even before it became cool. Um, when I had the multiple streams of income before, I was just like, I was crazy and couldn't decide what I wanted to do. However, haha, now our people are starting to know why we need multiple streams of income. To me, it always just made sense. It was almost like a security blanket and we could get into my traumatic history and why I needed those. However, they've worked out for me, right? It was kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, if I, in my mind, I thought if I have all these things kind of simmering there and, you know, throwing a little bit into it to keep them active, but having one thing I'm hyper-focusing on when the market changes or whatever, and it looks like this other one over here is doing a little bit better, I will pivot and focus on that one, you know, primarily. So that's how I've worked it. And it's, you know, it's worked out. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to kind of think about, you know, even if you're talking about within your own business, what are some other things that you can add to bring in more revenue? Because it may, it makes sense, right? It makes sense to be able to say, okay, if I'm doing this and I did this one other thing over here, I could bring in an X amount of more dollars. You know, why not start to kind of think about how to add that? I think it, I think there's so many people that I speak with that they're leaving money on the table and because of they're not, you know, taking the time to have those meetings with themselves to sit down and say, okay, well, I'm doing this and I'm making X amount of dollars. How could I take what I'm doing now and make a little bit more money from it? And it, it's, it's not, it sounds difficult, but it's actually not as hard, you know, if you're having that time, you know, with yourself to kind of sit and plan it out. And I think that, I think that that's another thing that I found just with speaking with people, kind of interviewing them about, you know, what I'm writing about, um, is that they're 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 leaving the money on the table. They're leaving the money on the table because of a lot of reasons. But one of those I found is they're afraid they're not going to have the time to put into it. Um, and I totally get that. Like totally get that. Um, like I, I guess I'm not afraid of falling on my face. I think that's my thing. <laughs> I, guess I just go ahead and like dive in and um, see what happens. But for a lot of people, they're a little bit more reserved, and there's good reasons for that. But I feel like if they just kind of took that that extra step that, um, yeah, they may fail some, but they'd also win some. And I think it's it's one of those things that kind of in my experience and dealing with other people, it's something that I've noticed. Is, is it something that you have found when you're speaking with people that, like especially moms, that they're afraid a little bit more of the what ifs because it's not just them they're thinking about, right? They're kind of in charge of their entire show at home typically. And I think they're afraid of, they're not going to be able to kind of follow through on what they need to do to be able to make all the things happen. I definitely think that's a piece of it. I think another side of it is, um, is there's a lot of messaging out there, especially as it relates to, to mothers um, and, and starting a business as a mother of do this and you'll have your first six figure launch, you know, do whatever. And you're going to be making, um, $10,000 a month or, you know, or whatever it is, right? Like yeah. there is so much content out there. Um, and I think there's a few things to remember. One, you don't know what's going out. There might be a 10,000 month income, you know, revenue, but they could be paying out $9,000. So really it's, it's a $1,000 month. So you don't necessarily know what the infrastructure looks like. Um, I think another thing to think about is that we, you know, as, and I think this is a, a women, this is more related to women. And then when you add on the extra layer of mom, as women, we are used to being problem solvers, 
right? And then when you add on the mom part of it, you know, you you see in movies like, oh, what are we going to do? But really, what woman has ever said that, right? And especially yeah. as a mom, it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do, right? Like, and, yeah. and you and you start moving. And that is our natural, that's kind of naturally where we start from, right? And so if you're in a business and you're not sure of what the next step could be, you aren't necessarily comfortable with being a beginner, right? Like you're, you're used to being in charge, absolutely aware, you know what your next steps are. And you have to get comfortable as an entrepreneur with constantly being a beginner, right? And you can't be afraid of risk as an entrepreneur. You are going to have to try new things. You are going to have to say, you know what? That did not work. And I'm going to have to let it go, right? Even if you've put a lot of time and energy behind it, you will have to say, nope, that was not the right move for my business or my family or my, or, or right now. It might be a really great idea, but it's an idea for you two years down the road, not for today. And so you've got to get comfortable with trying new things out and shifting. And you, you just have to be a little bit more flexible in how you approach your business, not just in the expectations you have of being flexible to enjoy different aspects of your life, right? And I think that that is something that women especially struggle with because the the, the male entrepreneurs that I know are like, yeah, that sucked. And then I just picked myself up and I went on to something else. Like yeah. they don't even think twice about like you literally just destroyed six figures, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that was, and it's like, yeah, but it, it wasn't sustainable or I made a huge mistake or whatever it, it was. And then they just reset. And I think that we can struggle with that as women because of this idea of being a problem solver. But I have to say there is so much content out there that, that makes it seem so easy. And if it's not easy, then you're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Right. And that is not the case. Entrepreneurship. I mean, there's a reason why not everyone in the world is an entrepreneur. It can be very hard at the beginning. And I, I'm actually mentoring someone and, and I had this conversation with her because she said, well, I've got all of this experience. You know, I've got I've got literally, you know, two decades plus of experience in, in the corporate world and this and that. And I said, and that is awesome. And potential corporate clients will appreciate that. But not only do you have to show your experience of having been like an employee, you have to then again show like, and then step two is you have to show your experience of being an entrepreneur because so many people don't want to be your first client. They don't want to be your second client. They want to know that you have had successful um, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're offering 10 times, right? But you've got to get to 10 times. And so it's like you have to reprove yourself once you become an entrepreneur, once you hang that shingle out and you're like, okay, I am, I'm an entrepreneur now. And it's like, okay, great. I mean, you've worked with me for three years. Like I should be a great person for you to bring in for this other thing. And it's like, yeah, but we have to go to, with somebody who has more experience. And I think that's an extra layer that we don't necessarily think about. And part of it goes back to networking, 
right? Because so often as women, and this is very much a woman thing, we spend so much energy of doing a really good job. And we think, well, if I do a really good job, people will notice and they will promote me or they'll give me a new project or they'll recommend me to a friend. And that's why in part you have to network because you've got to set up these networks where people, when they think of whatever thing they say, Oh, you got to go to Maria Daniels. Like that is, that is the person who this is. People have to know you to be able to recommend you though. Right. And so, so many of these things kind of go hand in hand and we need to kind of step away from that myth of it's super easy to be an entrepreneur. You know, it, everything's going to go smoothly you're never going to have to reset. It's like, none of these things are accurate. <laughs> you're speaking my language. It's, it's funny because when I first started this show, I was trying to teach people. So I started out very much, you know, like, oh, this is what you do and this is what will happen. And then I started to figure out that I wanted to show up more authentically. I wanted to show the behind the curtains struggle bull crap that I go through on a, on a daily, but on a minutely, but let's be honest on a minutely basis some days. And, you know, so a lot of my content is very much, um, my personality, which is sarcastic and funny and just making jokes about how it blew up on my face because that's how I handle, you know, those stressful situations. I laugh at it, laugh at myself on it, you know, and go on with my day. And, you know, I, I found that very important, not only, because I wanted to be able to show up and show people who didn't have the had the curated version of things going on, which let's be honest, nobody does. But I wanted to show all of the sides and the, 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 the not only the clean corner of the house, right? I wanted to show all of it. I wanted to show the whole experience that was very important to me. Um, and it was part of my own healing of, you know, lots of things, right? Of kind of breaking out of my own cocoon and stepping in to who I really was, not who corporate expected me to be, not who, you know, lots of people expected me to be this perfectly curated business owner, quote unquote, right? I wanted to show up of who, you know, as who I was. And I wanted to show my real experiences of, you know, how I was trying to make what I needed to have happen on a daily basis even though, right? Kind of that even if, even if the whole day goes to crap, I'm still going to get this one thing done, right? And that happens a lot, a lot. And I think there are a lot of people out there making these amazing content and, you know, inspirational pieces. And there's, there's a place for that too. But yeah. I know I was having a hard time finding the people who had just been through the crap and they were like, all right, well, this is all I'm getting done today. This one blog post and I'm calling it a win. I was trying to find that. And I was having a hard time finding that because to me, that would have been more inspirational because I couldn't get all of the things done that a lot of these other, other people were showing that they were getting done in today. There was just no way. And I, you mentioned earlier about feeling like a failure, you know, I would run as fast as I could and stay up a lot of times, stay up all night. Right. I was definitely that person that, was um, very proud that I was busy all the time. And, you know, I think it took a lot for me to kind of kind of step into really being who I was. And I thought that that was a very, you know, important step for me. But also, I think a lot of people need to see somebody that doesn't have it all together all the time, right? Because again, like I mentioned, I don't think anybody has it all together. I've worked with Fortune 500 company, uh, dollar companies. And um, I think that even a lot of those CEOs and such, 
I can tell you firsthand, do not have it all together. So um, I was trying to think of a nice uh, way to curate that. But you know what I'm saying, right? There, it doesn't matter what position somebody gets in. They have their sides of themselves. That's not perfectly curated. They've got or, the sides. Or themselves. they have, or they've got a lot of help in order. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And, and I think that's important for people to know because, you know, that's, I, I spoke with, I think 10 people last week. I think it was 10 interviews I did. I'm just getting some information for, for all this stuff. And all of them, every single one of them, it was the same thing. Well, you know, I, I want, I want to go ahead and push this out there more, but I'm waiting until I have it a little bit more put together. That way I can show it on social media. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is important for people to realize is you can have a 1.0 version, right? You can have a 2.0 version. You can have a whatever point version. And I think it's important that you show up and show what you have at that moment and be proud about what you have at that moment. Because I think the experience of sharing what you have built and what you have created and what you have crafted is, is what's going to get you to that next stage. So I think that there's a lot of, of um, there, there, are, there are a lot of different ways that you can approach this, right? And I think part of it really depends on who your clients are, um, because there are definitely people who say, um, you can teach the person who is two steps behind you or five steps behind you, right? And that is one approach. You can be an absolute expert in what it is that you're talking about. And so I think it it really kind of depends on who you are truly targeting as your potential customer. You know, if you really want a corporate client, I think the 1.0 version can be really hard to sell, right? But the vast majority of entrepreneurs are not going after the corporate client, yeah. right? And so it really, um, I think you have to know who your target is really well. Um, the way I always describe it from an entrepreneurial perspective is I say, you have to know the pain point that you solve. And, and in, in doing that, you have to know three things, right? You've got to know your target incredibly well. You have to know what your competitors are doing and how they solve that problem. And, and, because of those two things, you're able to articulate how you solve the pain point, right? Like how you address that, that pain point. And so that can really help you understand, you know, you want to understand the mindset, how much money do they have to spend on these things? Like all of these different things, right? And that's going to help you create better solutions for for whatever challenge it is that you're trying to help your target audience overcome. And I think that that we don't necessarily talk about that enough. Like it's like I think this is this is how we need to approach it. And and then I'm going to put all the bells and whistles and it's like okay, well that's awesome <laughs> except your client doesn't care about any of those things, uh, right? So you've put all of this energy into creating not just the 2.0, but like the 2.8 version. And like, they don't care. They literally don't care at all. And so you've got to do some digging. You've got to do some some analysis. You, you want to... Um, you have to have, you know, you you just talked about interviewing 10 people in a week. You've got to go talk to who you want to be able to serve. And I mean, part of it is that you can, you can do some social listening. So you can see what 
your competitors or, or even not necessarily your true competitors, but people who are ahead of you, um, you can see what people are talking about in the comments. You can see how, how um, their audience reacts to whatever it is that they post and say, oh, okay, that didn't work, you know, and, and jot that down. Or, you know, this topic kept coming up. Maybe I need to think about how this works into what it is that I'm trying to create. And, it, but you also, you have to talk to people. Like you literally have to be, able, you know, whether it's on the phone or via Zoom or, or in person, like whatever the case is, you have to have those conversations and you can't just have them once and stop, right? Because... No things change over time. I mean, five years ago, if you would have said, oh yeah, and by the way, the world is going to shut down for two plus years and um, and everything's going to go online. I'm pretty sure people would have laughed in your general direction, right? You would have been like, <laughs> no, that's good. I'm fine. I'm going to do it only in person and it's always going to be in person, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm out of work, right? So so there, there are a lot of different things that you need to think about. Um, but you always have to go back to who it is that you serve and ask some of those those key questions. And it's not only going to be about what it is that you do. It's understanding their mindset. You know, I am. Um, I have had many vendors um, reach out to me and say, it's time for you to do a um, a course. You don't have a course. You've got to do a course. You've got to do a course. You've got to do a course. I, I literally cannot tell you the number of vendors who have reached out to me oh, to sure. do this. And I said, so let me understand something. Um, for working moms who are already strapped for time, you think that I should turn my book into a course? Yeah, you got to do a course. Got to do a course. Okay. So they're already strapped for time. And you're asking me to add in hours of 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 the content I want to I want to give in in my format, and and you think that's a good idea? Okay, well maybe you don't have to do a course, but you know, and it's like, you know, but so you have to understand what what your customer needs not necessarily what people are trying to sell because that's what everybody does. Everybody has a course. So I need to do a course. And it's like, no, you, you don't. And, and don't get me wrong for my corporate clients. I absolutely do workshops, but they are specialized workshops absolutely. for that particular um, uh, company, right. Or for that organization. And so there is not a course that they, that that's like, okay, here you go. Just log in here and you know, you're done. Like that's not how it works on the corporate side. And so you're constantly having to, to look into things without being distracted by, oh, well, everybody has this and everybody's doing that. And it's like, okay, but your customer doesn't care, you know? And so that becomes like your North star. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's important to also know what you want, right? Because there could be a lot of things that technically your client potentially would want, but it doesn't fit in with what you want. And I think that's also an important thing to kind of, you know, look at whenever you're adding anything to what you're doing now. And I think you mentioned um, earlier about, about the, you know, the 1.0 version, the corporate client, you know, wouldn't necessarily go for it. And I, I do agree with you, but I do think it's important 
to go ahead and throw things out there. I always call it ugly launch. I used to do this speaking thing. I called ugly launch and um, sounds terrible, but there was a reason for that. It marketed well, but it's kind of one of those things that I've watched so many people sit on what they had for that perfect moment when it was perfectly ready to go out. And like you mentioned, it did not resonate with their ideal client. It didn't, the, the wording didn't, didn't resonate. You know, they spent so much time quote unquote perfecting it that they spent all that time for nothing because nobody cared, you know, nobody wanted it. And they could have figured that out if they would have yeah. kind of got it a little bit ready, put it out there to kind of gauge some interest. And, you know, there's ways to do that to kind of make it not look like you just put a bunch of crap out there, right? Beta tested, taking a few people to, you yeah. know, to try it. I think it's very important to do those type of things and not wait for that perfectly curated, whatever it is, because I've got a client that she literally sat on something for five, she worked on something for five years. I don't have that much attention in my entire body uh, to be able to put five years of effort in creating one thing. Um, but, I mean, I give her props for having that, but she put it out there and it just flopped because she missed, first of all, she missed the mark on timing. It was very much a project that had a specific timing and it, she didn't beta test it out. And I think that's a very, you know, big example because five years is a long time to work on the one thing. But, you know, I think it's important that, you know, moms, women, even just um, entrepreneurs in general, think about what you're creating and to go ahead and put it out there. Even if you find some people in your network to test it out with, if you're not quite comfortable like me, just throw it out there and be like, all right, what do y'all think? Um, not everybody's comfortable with that. I'm fine. I can take the, the I, I would rather people be like, you know what, this sucks. And I don't spend another day on it. Then, yeah. you know, I, that's my personality though. Some people that, you know, they would rather have it a little bit um, softer, but I'm, I'm kind of that give it to me, give it to me, like just up front. I want to know. <laughs> so, But I think that that, I mean, you're also speaking to understanding how you work and, and I think in some ways it goes back to who you serve, mm -hmm. you know, that you are, you are going to find um, clients that you, that you naturally gravitate towards, right? Like oh. there are people who understand how you do business, you know, and, and you can think about it as simple as this. If you're super buttoned up, you probably don't want to work with the most loosey goosey, like, like, oh, I don't have anything organized. I mean, you're going to go crazy working for that, for that kind of client, or you're going to feel like a hero working for that client because you can put everything in order, right? And so you kind of have to also know what personality types or what, um, even what kinds of challenges you want to be able to help with. Because for some, for some people, for some entrepreneurs, they really want, they want to be laser focused, right? Like this is exactly what I do. And then there are other people who, um, who want to be what I describe as sticky. So you become such a, such an important resource for your clients that they're like, I know this isn't at all what you do, but can you, can you work on this? Right. Can you, because I need your eye on this thing. And so you just have to kind of figure out what it is and honestly, what also works for you financially, right? I mean, some people are really good at, here's the scope of the project, you work on it for X amount of time, and then you move on to another similar project. And then other people want more of like, what we'll call a monthly retainer. And that is, you know, 
you know every month what kind of income is coming in. And, and I mean, part of it is what you do and who you serve and how you do it. There, I mean, there's a lot of different layers to it. And I think it's helpful to know these things kind of walking in, but also to have enough flexibility to like, okay, I really like that. I mean, I, I will say in my own situation for my marketing business, because I'm, I'm also a, a fractional CMO or a, a, a marketing strategist, um, I really liked working on projects in the past. Okay. So there was a project. It was finite. I knew exactly what I was getting into. It's like, it's here. It, this is, this is completely it. And then, and then it's gone. And then there's one over here. Now, don't get me wrong. I would have some clients who would say, okay, I need to work on these things. And then they'd go away and then they'd pop back up. Like it didn't mean that I only worked with a client once, but I also realized over time that I, it, I was tired. I was tired constantly I mean, you have to build a pipeline for that all the time. And that is yeah, honestly exhausting. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I, I want more retainer clients. And what that meant was that I had to become sticky, right? Like I had to be one of those resources that they looked at and they said, I need her to be in the room, right? And so my scope is less defined but they know all of the tools in my toolkit. And so they know kind of when to bring me in and when I can certainly provide perspective, but I am not their go-to for it. You know, I, I have, I, um, I have a client who, um, who, when I was saying, here's some of the things that I think you need to do to shake up your marketing, said, you need to, to do PR. That's really one of the things that you're missing. And they said, okay, great. When are we going to start? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not a PR person. That is out, totally outside of my um, area of expertise. I can certainly manage PR. I can manage an external PR resource, but, but I, am, I am not, you do not want me doing your PR. Like I'm going to be completely ineffective. Um, and so I think often as entrepreneurs, you're like, oh, okay, you want to do PR? Sure, I'll do PR. And and if you're flailing, that can negatively impact the other things that you do really well, right? And then this, this client who has been a solid client is like, this person sucks. Um, so I don't have any issue with going to somebody else and saying, you are amazing in this area. Absolutely come and play with us in our sandbox, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel very strongly that there is enough for everybody to be able to excel and grow their business and all of those things. So I have no qualms with going out there and finding new people to bring in to these relationships that I have. Because honestly, it makes me look better. Yep. Right. And I think it shows that you're more mature in your entrepreneurship journey, too, because I know I can tell the newer entrepreneurs without even talking much to them. If you can tell they're very territorial about what they're doing, because I I'm like you. I'm like, no, 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 no. I will call somebody. Let's get this taken care of. I love outsourcing. You know, I mean, it's, it's great because then it's less that I have to do and I can just kind of manage whatever needs managed. But in my early on in my entrepreneurship journey, I was very much like, oh, you'll pay me to do that you're for me. I, I was not very good at kind of coming up with my own avatar for any of my businesses. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's very important to sit and, you know, to do that, to think about that. Um, I know we've been talking for a while, so I do want to kind of hit on a couple of things. 
going back to specifically mom-owned businesses, what are some things that maybe you would suggest to the mom that's either starting her business or has had a business for a while? What are some some good takeaways to be able to help her within her business? So I think the most important thing is start talking to people, right? Talk to people. This is what I'm going to be working on. You know, not the tell me what you think so that I can feel like I'm doing the right thing. It's really to like the people who, who can, who can buy your product, who can be a, a great sounding board, what, whatever the, the role is, but start talking about it before you do it. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to create your business and then start the conversation. You want to start yeah. having these conversations way before you start. I think the other thing to keep in mind is you really want to have your financial ducks in a row, right? Because that is one of those things that, um, you know, I, I mentioned it of you might have, um, you might have all of this experience before you become an entrepreneur, but it still might take you a while to get your first client. And so you want to make sure that it's okay if it takes you three months, six months, nine months, you know, whatever it is, that you're okay with that. So you got to have your financial ducks in a row, especially, I feel like there's even more of that pressure as a mother, right? Because if, if you, if you in part rely on your salary and your family to pay the bills, you can't miss that money. And so there is that, um, you know, for a lot of people, you want to be able to um, to build your business while you while you have something else, right? Like you know that there's consistent income, and so it really kind of depends on your own specific situation. If you need to do that, or if you can just kind of go, okay, it's it's okay for me to miss income for a while um, because it's time versus money, right? Like that's that is often the, the challenge. So that's the second one, get your financial ducks in a row. And then the third one, I think is really start to understand who you serve and how you serve them. Because it's not enough for you to say, I want to do this. It is, what problem do I solve? How can I go about doing this? Why me versus other people? Okay, my competitors are doing it this way. I'm going to do it this way instead. And you don't necessarily want that to absolutely change how you serve people. Your own background is going to help you have a different voice, but it is helpful to understand, okay, that person does the, you know, the, not the Rolls Royce version. They do like the Maserati, like the, the unique Maserati that there's only a handful in the world. Okay. That's them. And that's awesome. I don't need to play in that, in that part of the, of the, the customer landscape. Okay. There's this over here. All right. So I'm going to play more in this area because that can, that will help you understand what is it that you create? You know, you don't want to create the Rolls Royce version if somebody's paying for a Ford. Absolutely. Right. And so that can, that can impact all of the bells and whistles that you include. And that can be literally for anything. If you're creating a nail salon and people, it's really a neighborhood salon, right? Like that's what it's there for. You don't have to have the, um, you know, the latest, most amazing, most this and that that costs $500. Like that's absolutely not what you want. 
you're, but you, you will create an environment where, you know, where women go and they, they feel a certain way. And that is, that is what you provide, but you don't have to compete with the, um, you know, the, the best worldwide spas, right? So, so you really, it, it will help you create the business that you need to create to, fulfill the the role that need that you need that you want to fill in the marketplace that you want to play in. So I think thinking about those three things. Now some of those rely you know those are those are important regardless of whether or not you're a mom. So on the flip side from a more personal perspective, you have to think about how can I ask for help? Ooh, that's a hard one too. <laughs> yeah, because you might not have had to, you know, and it might be yeah. that you've got to go to your significant other and say, okay, I'm going to do this. What are you going to do? You know, mm -hmm. because like I went, when I was writing my second book, so it is going on in September, it will be five years, but around this time, five years ago, I went to my husband and I said, I want to write a second book. And he's like, okay, awesome. You know, and we talked about it and I was like, I am so glad that you are on board with this idea of writing a second book because I need you to take on something. And he's like, okay. I mean, he was, you know, he was already like, all right, this is a great idea. Here's, here's why, you know, he was already like nodding his head. Yes. And so I presented him with, here are some areas that I think that you should take on. And he took on cooking, right? And so you've got to ask for help. And that can be a lot of different things. It could be that you hire a housekeeper. It might be that you need to hire a business coach. It could be, I mean, there's so many different things, but it is asking for help in a, in a way that makes a, a difference in your world so that you actually have the time and the space to start to work on creating a business, right? Because realistically, it is going to be really hard for you to create a business and do all of the exact same things that you are doing now as a mom. You know, you are going to have to become more intentional with your time because it's like you're taking on another child. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, but I think that asking for help can take you a few beats to truly understand what that looks like. You know, maybe it's starting to carpool. Maybe it's setting the expectation of, you know, with your child, I'm not going to be at every practice or I can't coach your next team or, or, you know, whatever it is. And so you've got to kind of start working on that with enough time so that you can make these adjustments um, because you don't want to have to deal with those when you're already in a business, right? Like you, you want to start to set the stage and, and, and find the resources and talk to people and, and talk to friends about changing things up. Um, you've got to do that with time. That's absolutely true. Well, and I think it's so important to do that and also to be self-aware enough that if you make that plan and you start doing things that you're ready to change and pivot as needed. Because I think that a lot of times we get, we get our path drawn out and we've got all the things and we're just, you know, going on and it's burning as we go. And we're so afraid to kind of look at it and say, okay, is this still, you know, working? Is this aligned the way it needs to be? And, 
yes, it's going to be hard, but it still should look like it's aligning with where you're wanting to go. Because I know a lot of people, including myself, did never want to let go. I was holding on to all the things that I shouldn't be holding on to. But when I let go of the things that weren't for me, it freed up time, it freed up like mental stability, it freed up all the things, right? So I think it's so important. And I love those tips that you gave. I think those are critical tips for anybody in business, whether you've been in business for a long time or you're just starting out. I think those are important things to look at. And I want to add one more thing. And that Mm -hmm. is um, the added layer. There's another layer of complexity specifically for mom entrepreneurs. And that is that the needs of your children, of your family in general, those can change over time. And that might require that that you have to pivot or engage new resources or or um give yourself a more realistic timeline okay i'm not going to launch this in 6 months it's going to take me 8 right and so you there is nothing wrong with resetting expectations like That's you have right. to get comfortable with that and I mean, you and I were talking about this before we started yeah. reporting live, right? Like, like needs for for your personal needs can change. And again, that doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. As an entrepreneur, most of us have the flexibility to make the adjustments, right, along the way. And you're going to have to get comfortable with that because you might think, oh, well, as my kid gets older, they need me less, right? But I can tell you, for example, I have a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old, and one is in sixth grade and one is in third grade. But I have to carpool longer in order to get to the middle school that, that my older son is in. And even though I have carpool, I my day, my week and my days look different because I have that added layer of carpool to a second school. Yeah. Right. And that is, that's a reality of my situation, even though I have carpool that, that helps for, for part of the time, I still have my side of carpool that I have to worry about. And so this year, certain days, I actually have to shorten my day versus last year when both boys were in the exact same school and like I could have them in after school um, sports at school or, or an afternoon activity at school. So it wasn't even that they got out at two forty-five; they got out at four, mm-hmm. right? I don't have that luxury anymore. Like, and, and so you have to recognize that as a mom and that's okay. You know, that, that, that is not a reflection of you doing something wrong. It is, this is just the reality of life, right? Like you, you can't assume everything is going to be perfect. I have all of the things aligned. It's going well. It's like, okay, that's great. Just be ready for things to change oh, yeah. around <laughs> you. And then you've got to, you've got to adjust as, as they happen and, and kind of stay like flexible along the way. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's the case for many people out there, but yes, especially moms. And, you know, I think it's important to kind of look at your, your year plan, right? And then your month plan and your week and your day, but also the flexibility really comes into play because even if you know what you're doing, quote unquote, for the week, again, you can end up with a sick kid. You can have, there's so many things that can come in to affect your schedule. And if you haven't 
land in your flexibility. I know that sounds so silly. I loved the idea of being spontaneous. And in some ways I am very much spontaneous, but I'm also a scheduler. I love schedules. I love them so much. But my problem with scheduling is I used to schedule like down to the half hour of what I was going to do all the time. But then when something would happen, I would just want to like throw it all away and quit everything. Literally just I'm done with everything because my schedule is completely ruined, right? It was just so overwhelming that I had to change how I scheduled. You know, I had to come up with overlying goals of what I was going to accomplish and not throw that into a hard set schedule because life is so fluid. You know, it's so fluid with having multiple children. It's so fluid with having a child on the spectrum. That's a whole nother ball game in itself because, you know, when you have a child on the spectrum, you have a different child uh, throughout the day (laughs) a lot of times. So it's like, you know, being flexible has become a part of my life. And, you know, I always say with my son, with Cade, um, he taught me that I had to be more flexible. I don't think if I would have had him, I would have been able to do any of the things I've been able to do because I would have stayed so rigid and so focused and so, you know, on, on things that didn't even matter. He's, you know, he made me have to look at the world differently. And I think if we're conscientious out of our own lives, there are so many things that kind of come into our lives that kind of look like something that's, um, it's negative, right? Or like can be a hard struggle, but it ends up being a blessing if we're able to kind of look at it in such a way that it's there to teach us a lesson. And it can be anything, right? It can be something that, you know, you planned um, for your business and it, you know, it it, it failed, right? Uh, It could be anything, but if we're able to kind of glean the lessons out of the experiences, I think, you know, there's a way to kind of come out on top from anything. I I mean, I love that because, I, I feel very strongly as well that you can learn something out of out of pretty much anything, you know, even mm-hmm. a failure, you can say, oh, not going to do it that way again. Right. Oh, like, yeah. And and so being able to to pick those things out and recognize what you can learn instead of just shaking your head and saying, I should have known better. Right. Or instead of saying, well, that sucked. And, um, and I suck as a person. And then um, I'm just going to throw in the towel because I'm just done here. Right. Like, it's like, no, no, no. What, what did you learn from that? What, what are, how, how can you do that differently in the future? How can you better prepare? How, you know, like from every situation that you find yourself in, you can ultimately pick out one or two things that you learn from it. Right. And you can try to put in place things that can help you deal with those challenges. But you also have to realize, I mean, as an entrepreneur, in some ways, you just have to embrace being nimble. Um, Hopefully because you have a small team and, and, and you are in charge, you are able to be nimble. Right. But it is, um, but that's part of being an entrepreneur. If, if you want things to be like, absolutely planned down to the last minute detail and you need it all to be perfect. I don't know if entrepreneurship is really the right move, right? Like you are going to have to, to, to pivot some days and, and you will, you will, you will notice trends and you'll be able to jump on them and take advantage of them. You will be able to see, you know what, I've literally done this thing for the past four clients and I don't talk about this at all. Okay. Maybe I need to be talking about this as a service that I actually provide. Um, you can't do those if you're super rigid. Absolutely. 
So go ahead and um, let everybody know where they can find you at. I know we've been talking for a while and I want to go ahead and make sure that your, your information is out there for anybody that's maybe wanting to reach out to you to find out more about your books or anything. And if you're listening to this on the podcast platforms, if you go down to the show notes, the links to her books and all of the uh, links to contact um, all the things that she has going on will be in the show notes. Um, so I have, um, I've got a website and on there is um, my weekly blog. So that's mompowerment.com. So think empowerment, but M-O-M at the beginning. And um, I am active on LinkedIn. Uh, I share a weekly video specifically for, um, for working moms and dads. And it's not specific to employees or entrepreneurs, but it's literally to professional working moms and dads. Um, I also do one for managers on a different day, managers and senior leaders on a different day. So, so it's two kind of different sets of content and I throw in a little bit of, of marketing in there too. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram. So, and my handle is at mompowerment. Um, awesome. Yeah. And you've got a great blog because I skimmed through a lot of your blog posts. I really like that blog on Mom Power Man. That's where I stalked her. That's where I found her. So um, I, I really strongly suggest the blog. That was It's a good it's a good blog. Actually, I'll put the link for that blog post um, that we referred to yeah. um, with all the the, the uh, stats and such from Mom and Businesses. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you. And and I include where I found a lot of the information. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of times people, you will see the information in other places for other purposes. And I feel like so rarely do they include the link to where they yeah. actually found it. So it'll say like SBA. And you're thinking, do you know how big the SBA website is? Like yeah, where in the world much. am I going to find this? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's literally thousands, if not more of, of pages. And so I put links to where I actually found the information. Yeah. So yeah. You, can, you can click on it. And and I, I did actually, because like I said, I've been doing the research on there and I've had a hard time finding that. Like, I didn't think it would be that hard to find. I got the idea yeah. just because I was talking with some people locally here about economic development and some just some different things. And I started looking up some stats and I started figuring out that I could not find any stats from all own businesses. And I'm like, why? So that got me going with this whole thing because a lot of the people I were talking to were moms and a lot of the struggles they were throwing out there are related to also being a mom. So I'm like, why are the, why is there not more information out there for these moms that are out there ready to throw in the hat on something they have that's actually amazing because they can't find the resources they need to just keep going a little bit longer. You know, um, so I love it. I will also say, um, Maybe I will. I, I'll share it when you go to share this on um, on Instagram. I will. Um, I'll include. Um, there is a um, an upcoming grant that is specifically for mom-owned businesses. It has not officially launched yet, but it is with. Um, it's with a company called, uh, not a company, an organization called Founders First CDC. Awesome. So it's foundersfirstcdc.org. And they are literally about to have, um, I had to look at my email really quick. Um, they are about to launch um, a, a, a grant, uh, like a window for applying for a grant. They are going to be giving out a thousand, uh, um, $25,000 grants only to mom-owned businesses. That is their specific 
Target for helping grow this. And so, um, so I think that that's, I don't know of many of those, um, of those grants because so often grants are related to having a nonprofit. And so I loved when they reached out and said, can you talk to your audience about this? And I said, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, I love that. No, I think that's, that's great. And I mean, you're right. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything that's for mom specific businesses. I think that's amazing that they're doing that. Um, I, I mean, they reached out to me out of the blue and they said, would you be interested in being a partner and talking about this with your That's audience? Great. And I thought, why wouldn't I want to share this yeah. with my audience? You know, like it, it, this is because so I, that is one of the challenges. When you look at who gets funded, yep. women only get a small percentage of funding. Um, and I think a big part of that is related to networking. You know, you give money to people who you know. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. And so uh, yeah. if as women, we haven't taken the time to build our networks with people who ultimately hold the purse strings, I mean, we we can relate to the people who hold the purse strings as consumers, but not to the people who... Um, who, who dole out the money when it comes to funding. So being able to share with when there's a chance to get more of that funding. And I realize $1,000 is not a huge amount of money, um, but that can pay for, you know, a few months of social media management. Like, like, mm-hmm. so, so, and that can be like the thing that you really need to allow things to kind of blossom at a specific moment. So you can definitely use that money in a very um, intentional way. So absolutely um, to be able to, to tap into your needle movers, to be able to get more yeah. money. Right. Cause I think, I think that, I think what you mentioned is a big percentage of, I think a lot of uh, the other reason is they typically don't get the funding because they're not making as much as the people that are not solely in charge of the families. Because I know yes. um, when I hired a, a sitter, that made a big difference in my revenue because that would meant that even though I'm still at home with the kids, there were a certain amount of hours that I was not the one that was solely in charge. I had somebody else that was, you know, being mom for a minute. And that made a huge difference because yes, if I had the amount of time that, you know, people that didn't have the sole responsibility of kind of managing my family's everything, you know, I could make that, that level of revenue too. So it took getting to that point, but I had to do like what you mentioned earlier is I had to look at, okay, well, what do I need? I need more time. How am I going to get more time? I need somebody to be me for a minute. I mean, need somebody to be me for just a little while so I can come and do what I need to do. And I think it's important to kind of look at those things. I love it. So Um, is there anything else that you want to add before we kind of wrap up? I'll leave you with one final thought. And that is this mindset absolutely matters in all of this stuff. We didn't necessarily talk a lot about that side of things, but if you walk into this and you think, I'm not an entrepreneur and this is probably not going to work. It's probably not going to work. If you walk into it and say, I literally just don't have enough time to do this and I don't see how I can get enough time. You're not going to have enough time. Right. So, so you have to have some faith in your ability, in the infrastructure that you create in your, you know, the tribe in, in, I like to think of it as your tribe. It's like your whole village, right? And that's that's the professional and the personal side. Really 
in your corner cheering you on instead of thinking i'm just doing this all alone like i'm all alone in this in this dark hole right like you're not going to get the same results as someone who thinks there people are are helping me succeed they are cheering me on so that i will succeed it's going to be so much harder to do all of these things and so you've got to walk in with the mindset of i can do this it's going to be hard that doesn't mean it's going to be just smooth sailing right it's it can be hard but it is much more doable than if you feel like you're alone on the entrepreneurial journey Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Mindset is everything. And, you know, what you put your mind to um, is going to be what you get, right? And I think it's so important to really kind of tap into that. I know we talk a lot about mindset just on the show as a whole. And you're right, we didn't, I'm surprised we didn't tap into that because usually I go off on the mindset train sometime, but I was so focused on some of the other stuff that we didn't go there. But I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that is huge because every day we're presented with opportunities, whether we recognize them or not. And our mindset, where we're at in our mindset is going to make a big difference on where that goes. I think that's huge. I love that. So, so happy that I was able to kind of connect with you. Um, and after stalking you on your blog, I, I'm glad that we did this. This is great. I will make sure that all the links to Suzanne's um, website, her books and all will be in the show notes on your favorite podcast platform. And thank you so much for listening. If you found this valuable, make sure that you share it with your friend. That would be great. And thanks so much. Talk to you all next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Successfully Chaotic, where we are driven to help you design your success even in the midst of life's chaos. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. You can also find more at www.successfullychaotic.com or on social media. Reach out and connect. I would love to hear from you.